We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to another episode of the College of Canton podcast, the perfect show for any and every college football and NFL fan. I'm your host, Travis May, and you can find me on Twitter at FF underscore Travis M. And I'm joined by my co-host, Stefan Leco. You can find him on Twitter at Stefan Leco. And I always lead off uh, sharing that information because mainly I just really en- enjoy uh, getting to know a lot of the listeners, but I also just love being heckled. So please come in and just bother me in my DMs as much as possible. Not really, but uh, uh, I do enjoy just uh, engaging, talking about football with any and everyone that I can. Uh, it's been a fun, uh, you know, it was fun this spring and draft season. And even in June, uh, people reaching out, just talking about their favorite leagues, their, their, their teams. Like I, I working in f- football nonstop, I, I thought I would get tired of it a little bit, but I, I don't. And so Feel free to reach out to myself or Stefan. We'd be glad to chat anytime. But if you're new to the show, uh, we talk about basically the story from beginning to end of all of the best football players in the world, from football recruits to, through their college career, through the NFL draft season, through their entire NFL career. Uh, because we love stories. We love players. We love winning fantasy football leagues. And so it's kind of a mix between uh, real football and fantasy football. Uh, and sometimes we spend some time talking startup draft strategy like we did on our last episode. Sometimes we talk about who's actually going to make it into the Hall of Fame one day. And that's actually what we're going to do on this episode is, is get into uh, the making of a Hall of Fame career and, and talk about uh, some player arcs uh, in terms of uh, what, what it looks like for a typical quarterback to uh, make it from the beginning to end and uh, what we can expect from our most productive and favorite uh, fantasy football players and um, specific names as well and, and how close they are to making it to the hall of fame and how much longer can we expect certain players to produce at given positions? Because I, I find that conversation super interesting as to, uh, you know, how we can win and predict drop-offs, predict breakouts and things like that. Uh, and we'll get into that here shortly, but stay fine. Uh, that's enough uh, of me talking here for a moment. <laughs> uh, good to see you again. You doing all right? Doing well, man. It's a, it's a good time of year to have this conversation because uh, there's just not a whole lot of news dropping, so this yeah, is this okay. is good. And, uh, and and I mean, we you, you often say like we're a mix between like real football and fantasy football, and I do feel like we tend to go fantasy football heavy a lot of times. So it is fun to kind of zoom back and look at some of these players' career arcs. And of course, there is always 
some some pearls of wisdom to be gathered that can help us for fantasy football based on what you were talking about with you know kind of predicting when careers tend to drop off or what to be looking for so i'm excited to chat through this stuff and uh yeah it's been a while since we've looked at it so it'll be kind of uh a good refresher course to see kind of what we're looking for uh real quick though when you think of the hall of fame do you think it should be a place for people with the best stats or people who influence the game the most I think you can have, I think it's important to have a lot of, uh, especially on the media side, it's great to have people to just influence the game from a certain perspective. Um, but yeah, for the most part, uh, the stats are really important. What you actually did on the field is really important. Um, if you had an explosive seven year career, you can get in as a, as a Gale Sayers did, um, you know, like a, a Megatron, you know, he didn't have the 15 year long career, but he was, you know, the best at, at in the game when he was there at, at certain times, he was unguardable. Uh, in many ways, uh, you know, quadruple coverage wasn't good enough uh, when it came to Megatron. So there are certain sh- like certain players that I think should be in uh, with with shorter resumes and, and such um, uh, and imperfect, I guess, statistical uh, re- resumes. But stats matter. Like the numbers really do matter. Yes, they can lie sometimes. But at the same time, like unless you've really done it for a long time or, you, or you've done it the best for at least a medium amount of time. Uh, I don't think that we should just make it a hall of good or really good. It needs to hall, be a hall of fame and a hall of great, great level, elite level uh, players. Yeah, I like that. I do feel like some some fun moments, some like historical things. Like I, I like that aspect of it too. Like maybe Mark Sanchez's butt fumble, maybe just like a shrine <laughs> of that somewhere um, in the lobby. Well, have maybe. you been to the Hall of Fame? No, I have not. So they actually do have. I mean, they, they, for the listeners, for those of you who haven't either, like they have a bunch of, they have a, 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 a theater like that's dedicated to just the prior seasons, Super Bowl team and roster. They like basically have a story uh, all around that that year's season and that team. Uh, but then they have like uh, sections that are just like about historic teams uh, that don't exist anymore. Like there's and then there's players like that just did something this year that's really intriguing. Like I remember uh, one of the, the last times I went. Uh, I think it was David Johnson's rookie year. Uh, and uh, like he did something crazy as a rookie. Like he ran back a kick uh, for like 90 something yards and then like had a rushing touchdown or 90 something yards. And so they had like his, his like gloves and cleats from, from that game. Like, and so they had yeah, that's cool. a bunch of stuff from like just that season uh, and like iconic moments from each decade are featured. And so it, they really do have a complete, it is a hall of like, fame from every single decade and it's 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 a really cool place not i mean they're not a sponsor like i'm just it's it's a really cool yeah. <laughs> uh, place yes. to, uh, to go yeah. uh, so there, there there is a lot of appreciation i'm not sure they ever had the butt bumble in there but uh they, they probably should have that in the parking lot uh <laughs> statue but yeah. um but yeah I, I think that certain things like that belong in, for seasons but in terms of like actual induction into the hall of fame getting the gold jacket um I'm not sure Mark, Mark, Mark Sanchez deserves right <laughs> deserves yeah. that. Okay, uh, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Uh, well, why don't we start by uh, just kind of uh, talk through some of your charting around like career arcs and stuff like that. Maybe intro the topic and kind of get into some of your uh, your analysis. Sure, and I think uh, over the years, just because of all of us caring way too much about our fantasy football teams, uh, there there have been some really smart people that have done some historical analysis when it comes to. Uh, um, you know, PPR per game numbers by season, uh, by year of career, by, by age, 
uh, and so on um, when, when it comes to that. And, and when it comes to like, there's even in recent years, there's been some uh, great work on contract analysis and how certain positions are uh, at risk to see, uh, you know, a career attrition and end of their career just based on where they are due to their contract structure and such like, such like that. So uh, I've, I've taken kind of a balanced approach in terms of how I build my rosters uh, and mitigate risk, I guess, when it comes to roster, roster construction for fantasy and use a lot of the work that's already been done by other people. But um, working for Mojo uh, has, has given me an opportunity to do this kind of full-time and dive into take like an analytical approach um, and map out entire careers for players. Like we have uh, the part of what Mojo would, does is like we give a price to an entire like player's career, like what, what they've already done that's built into their price. And then there's a future aspect to their, their projection. And um, what the, when I like go into audit any of that for the pricing and the, and the, the projections that we have on players and trying to find, okay, what are we saying in terms of like how many years remaining on their career do they have? It's interesting to see how short the, the middle outcome is in terms of building out projections for any NFL player, let alone like an entire body of like all the skill position players in the NFL, which is pretty much what we have when it comes to uh, the Mojo platform. We've got a bunch of like, there's like 400 running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, quarterbacks that we have on platform uh, with career level projections. And so that's really made me think through things uh, from a, a different perspective, because what we're trying to solve for is, uh, you know, a, a kind of efficiency based and volume based combo uh, that, that leads to the pricing. And so like, I, it, it's great because it's a mix of efficiency and volume and in a fantasy, we love both. Uh, we need efficiency, uh, it, it, but we more than anything, we need volume, but efficiency or the lack thereof can, can lead to predicting the lack of future volume. And so um, I, I've, I've dive, I've taken a deep dive and, and really found, um, uh, well, it, it, I would say just an, an ability to, um, to predict uh, where players are going to fall off just because of the, the, the data that I have access to. I don't have like some magic formula, but uh, just want to get into like uh, some maybe misconceptions about uh, certain positions and players and things like that t- today, and then dive into some players that might make it to the hall of fame and might see a drop off in their career or might, uh, you know, actually maintain production uh, longer than we might think. Um, so really first off, Stefan, like with quarterbacks, it was just really interesting. Um, when I was diving into the numbers, cause I always thought like, man, like all these guys that are hanging around, like producing in their late thirties, like, how are they doing that? Like this, this league, like the, the Ben Roethlisberger's, the Eli Manning's, the Philip, Philip Rivers, the Matt Ryan's like the uh, Tom Brady's uh, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, Like he's mo- more mobile, but for the most part, a bunch of guys that aren't necessarily uh, super dual threat guys. Like how are they even succeeding in this league where it's more and more like we, RPO driven and, and mobility driven. Like how are the, how are they doing this? And so I, I wanted to dive into the numbers and like, I, I found um, in a large scale sample, like over like 25 plus years of data, um, like quarterbacks, like we always think that, you know, Oh, they're going to be in the league for 10, 12 years. They're really not. A lot of them like really don't make it, but there is kind of a magical tipping point uh, for the quarterback position where if you just make it to a certain year, you're probably going to be there for another four, five, six years, and uh, I, I was always, I always understood that just anecdotally, or at least thought that that to be the case. But I really confirmed this when I dove into a mix of uh, passing efficiency and then volume of production for fantasy purposes and real football purposes, and found that actually, if you make it 
beyond year 10 or 11 in, in, your, in your career and you make it to year 12 as a, as a quarterback, like almost everyone who made it to that point beyond that point actually found some of their most efficient and successful passing years beyond the 10 and 11 year mark um, across the board. And that led many of them to actually play into year 15, 16, 17, 18. I know we're working with a smaller sample because it's, it's quarterback versus like wide receivers. But um, it's just interesting to see how long quarterbacks could play. And we, we've seen that with Tom Brady, but it's not just Tom Brady. It's not just Aaron Rodgers. Like several quarterbacks, we might see like another generation. We just saw one generation leave um, and we've got a bunch of young pastors in the, in the league. But we might see the next generation of quarterbacks that – makes it into that. And we're, we're talking about, uh, you know, a whole new generation that, that, that is even better um, than we're currently seeing right now with the Mahomes and with the, with the Burrow, with the, uh, the, all those young players that are really good right now, we may see even an uptick in their efficiency based on historical numbers where if players just make it to that certain point, they even have better years and like the 12 to 15 marks. So um, I won't dive into every position, but that, that one jumped out to me at first because I always thought, you know, once you get to a certain age, you know, it, we can just assume like there's going to be a lack of efficiency. It's going to be a downturn in efficiency, um, and and thus the volume would also decrease. But uh, I always was just impressed by this ability for quarterbacks to make it. And we can talk about the why, I guess, and what might be driving the why uh, behind the um, increase in late career efficiency for quarterbacks. But uh, it's just really fun to dive into a position and realize, you know, just learn something new and, and re- realize that uh, you know maybe. Maybe we're wrong about these guys that we're discounting like uh, like a Matthew Stafford. Or maybe we're wrong about like Russell Wilson being, you know, done or washed. Or maybe Jared Goff is actually going to stick around for a couple more years and, and then end up being around way longer than we expect. But in Dynasty, he's dead to us already. Like there's just certain players that I think um, we have a lot of assumptions surrounding, but don't understand like the historical precedent that they would be defying uh, if they do actually fail anytime soon. Yeah, and I like that too because especially like I mean, you bring up the Russell Wilson example and like his contract is not one where the Broncos can get out of. So no. like he's going to be playing. And like you said, like he could still have quite a few years left. I, I did um, while you were talking about um, how after that, that 12 years uh, you see kind of even a, another uptick sometimes in this production. Do you think some of that is because of the, you know, the age at which we're looking back here, some of it has to do with rule changes and stuff like that. Or do you like, because in the beginning of their, like Tom Brady and, you know, Aaron Rodgers and these guys, Peyton Manning, the beginning of their career, the rules were a little bit different and it's become more of a pass happy league. Or do you not think that really answers the question um, satisfactorily? Yeah, I think there were some parallels to that. Um, And, and, uh, just because it is more pass happier than, than ever. But I think when I, when I dove into it, it just, I came to the conclusion that it's, it's essentially it's, it's, it's a, an experiential boost because at some point um, Tom Brady's like, he's an absolute liability from a mobility standpoint. Like there's no reason <laughs> yeah. you should even like just from a common sense standpoint be on the football field for the past few years. But at some point he had just an experiential edge over everyone on the field. Um, like he's played professional football longer than some of these rookies have been alive pretty much. So, so it, it just, it, that, that was the main conclusion because there was this, this kind of boost, uh, this late season or late career resurgence almost to these guys career. If, if they're in a situation that was one stable uh, and two, they had enough weapons uh, that, that's pretty much requisite anywhere. But like um, if you're in a stable situation contractually, 
with the same offensive coordinator for multiple seasons uh, and you've been in the league for 10, 12 years, um, there's a great chance you're actually going to have still one of your best seasons at quarterback. Um, Which is crazy. We were talking about it before the show. You were kind of talking to me some about this stuff and you're like, uh, statistically speaking, to think that Matthew, uh, that uh, Mahomes, not Matthew, but Patrick Mahomes, uh, some of his best years could be ahead of him just based on what you've seen historically. I mean, that's just a crazy thing to think about, you know, like there's still so much more potential for growth and a lot more longevity when it comes to like dynasty football um, than you might even think. Uh, and maybe some of it changes, maybe the rushing numbers go down, but something else, you know, it's just uh, amazing to see um, kind of the shelf life. Do you mind um, kind of, I'd love to hear you talk about like once you mentioned, like once a quarterback is in the league 12 years, like you can kind of expect, do you see those numbers kind of play out for like running backs and wide receivers where if they meet a certain threshold, I imagine for running backs, it not so much just, uh, but again, my perception is you always hear about that, that, that 20, well, it used to be age 30. Now it's kind of age 28 or 26. Even um, most running backs are dead to us once they enter the final year of their rookie contract. Um, looking at these types of numbers, do you see um, kind of a path where you can, kind of predict what year um, you know it's safe to buy in for a couple more seasons or know when it's like, oh, no matter what, it's time to uh, time to pull the Band-Aid off and get out of this. Yeah, and that has a lot to do with uh, what what players have been able to do efficiency-wise. Um, not necessarily that I'm not just talking like yards per carry, but um, like next level uh, kind of EPA analysis. EPA for play is not great in, in terms of like a comparing year to year production for players all the time uh, or rushing yards over expectation. There's a few metrics for running backs that aren't necessarily great at saying, hey, this player is clearly better because he had, was, you know, 10% better this season than this one. Uh, but they are a bit predictive in terms of like predicting re signings, I've found uh, for running backs. They're predictive for uh, in terms of like cut rate for for the position at running back, especially stuff like that. But uh, most productive me- metrics that are efficiency based for running back aren't aren't necessarily the best for comparing uh, player A to player B, player B um, unless there's a, just a massive massive variance uh, between the two, like massive uh, gap. Um, so like, it, and there are several reasons for that um, that I don't don't want to get into on the show, but. Uh, for the most part, like when it comes to like the year in, in any given career, I, I do look for certain thresholds for effic- like efficiency levels for running backs and wide receivers and tight ends, tight ends. But um, it's it's very much so volume driven as well, and how they're performing on that volume uh, up to a certain year point, more so than the year itself. But the like the year of a player's career, where they are in their contract, is very important as well. But um, in terms of running back, the the kind of peak that you see um, without, well, adjusting for like a just general positional attrition, like players dropping out of the league. Like there are a few different ways you can look at, look at it, but year six ish, um, regardless of necessarily age um, or even like workload, uh, which I think a lot of people throw out there as being super predictive. It's not the uh, year six or so is about the peak in, m- in most cases in that for running backs and that, that normally coincides with age 26, 27, 28, somewhere around there. And that makes sense. Uh, and people think that there's this precipitous drop, but large sample in terms of the players that are actually producing at that point in their career, uh, the ones that actually have made it to year six, year seven, year eight, there's not a massive uh, drop off uh, until really year nine or so. 
So um, a lot of people panic and, and think, hey, I'm, I'm coming up on, you know, the end of, end of the rookie contract. Um, I should probably just panic and sell. Uh, in many cases, the players that that actually are producing years five and six are actually in the league. And years in five and six actually see a continued uptick in years five and six. And so you're probably year, you're probably selling running backs two years ahead of time if you're if you're selling them at the end of their rookie contract. Um, and if you're panicking, even in like year one or year two of their second contract, um, I, I get it when there's not a bunch of guaranteed money left on the contract. But at the same time, players who make it to that point have a really good chance of making it to year eight and nine. Uh, and you may be panic selling it uh, before you need to. But yeah, the most yeah. vulnerable years in my large, large sample data um, are years nine and 10. Uh, obviously, there's just a major drop off in terms of numbers of running backs that don't make it that far. But if you do, uh, there's a good chance you actually make it to year 12. So it's just, yeah. it's funny to see like there's there's this dip. Frank Gore. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I'm, I'm super curious to see if this trend continues looking at like Leonard Fournette, Dalvin Cook, Ezekiel Elliott, all kind of guys in this range. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, for one, assume they'll sign somewhere. But if they're not willing, like a guy like Melvin Gordon, if they're not willing to sign for less money and NFL teams realize that their efficiency numbers are declining and they mm-hmm. do decide to go an option like a, a cheaper, um, younger route, maybe not quite as yeah. good, but uh, I'm wondering if that trend will change because we have seen the NFL signaling to us that they're devaluing the running back position. Um, mm-hmm. And so I wonder if we'll see that begin to change and we won't know maybe for a couple of years. Let's see what Zeke does. Let's see what Kareem Hunt does. Let's see if they sign and start producing and get opportunities or if the NFL has just moved on, like do you do you feel yeah. like we could be at one of those kind of pivot points where we yeah, kind of see some of the changes? Yeah, we're going to learn a lot based on this 2017 class because the 2017 class is a really great case study because it was one of the deepest running back groups ever, and it's one of the most productive classes ever. It may actually be the it may actually end up going down as like the best running back class of all time. Can you throw out a couple of names? I know most yeah. of our listeners probably don't have those guys at the top sure. of their head. So like uh, it's just going down like just the draft board. Like Leonard Fournette was the first running back taken that year. Christian McCaffrey, also a first rounder. Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, Alan Kamara. Those were the top five. And then it was Kareem Hunt. All names that other than like Christian McCaffrey, like a lot of us are nervous about if we have them on our rosters because we have right. no idea what's happening. Right. But it's even like the non-elite level producers that year, like we're just insane. Like we like like guys like James Conner was in that class. Yeah. Um, and, and Kareem Hunt was in that class. He had his peaks. Deontay Foreman's still hanging around with the Bears. So my JP Ryan is, has new life this year. Um, like it just, I Jamal like those Williams. last two more than the first few actually yeah. like P Ryan is a target of mine right now. Yeah. Yeah. But well, and, and even like in, in the later rounds, like we had Aaron Jones from that class, man, like it was absolutely yeah. stacked top to bottom. Even we had the productive fit there for a couple of years with Chris Car- like Chris Carson. Like it was even the guys who, uh, you know, weren't perfect hits. Like there were just so many good players and uh, a bunch are kind of up in the air though, right now, like three of the primary <laughs> unsigned guys like uh, that, that we're worried about their futures we're going to learn a lot about um uh, at least we're going to be able to observe a lot uh in terms of like the direction of uh, implied futures for uh upcoming classes and how we can treat maybe years uh seven and eight and nine for a lot of these guys because what that they these guys are they've been in the league six years 2017 18 19 20 21 22 so like the the peak year the, for most uh, careers of players that actually make it this far, we've just seen it. And so the, the, the best is probably beyond 
uh, we're probably beyond the best for most of these guys. Like Christian McCaffrey, he might defy things because he's Christian McCaffrey. Alvin, Alvin Kamara, he might defy things um, because he's he does ridiculous things on the field. Uh, but I also think for the ones that aren't in you know ambiguous contractual situations, we are probably going to be well. We we as a community might be blown away uh, blown away by the fact that year seven and eight are just as good as year four and five for these guys. And I don't think we should be surprised because if you look at much historical data, the players who do make it this far, their year seven and eight are fantastic. So um, I, I'm not going to be surprised at all if, if McCaffrey is a league winner for two, three more years. If, or even if, if Aaron Jones, if, if with Jordan Love, they can still get that passing game going, he could Jones, still be super valuable. We're, yeah. we're throwing him away. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that's premature. And so I think for the guys that aren't in ambiguous situations that are conf- in confusing contractual situations, um, I think that's where the dynasty community and, and fantasy football uh, gets super concerned. And even that shows up in redraft ADP. Uh, there's, you know, there's a lot of apprehension to take a player because we think that, oh, this is the cliff year for him. Uh, but it's funny because the cliff year used to be like 30. <laughs> and then right, uh, right. it just uh, it's, has been slowly but surely creeping towards and so we think we need to get ahead of that further and go, nope, we just need to throw them away when they're 24, 25. Uh, so, you know, they don't hit 26 and become worthless. Uh, but but that's just not the case. And it has not been the case in, in any window outside of like, um, basically there was a narrow window from, like, I thought we talked about this on the show, like from 2013 to 20, 2012 to 2015, where there was a bunch of bad running back classes all in a row. that kind of made us think that running backs were just done. Uh, but really this 2017 class, um, has has kind of taught us differently that uh, you know it's just cyclical and we were probably overreacting to a bad stint of running backs fitting out of the league early um, that were just bad. But the, <laughs> what happens when you get a, a maybe generational class that goes into seven, eight, eight, and nine, like year seven, eight, and nine? I think we're it's going to be really fun. But I say this all, all to say, like really years one through eight, um, I, I'm I'm fine like buying into a running back. I know it sounds really weird to say like, Oh, Travis, you shouldn't be overconfident in a year eight running back. I'm not saying I am overconfident. I'm just saying I'm not as skeptical. I think as the community is in general, especially uh, if they made it that far. Yeah. If you make it that far, because like it, it is an elite, like, it is a league of, of attrition. Like that most players wash out before year four uh, at the position at running back, especially. But if you do years four through eight, uh, are generally very, very good. And so uh, I know that they might not be as good as year six by historical population compar- comparison, but um, I think we just completely miss an opportunity um, in, in how you, how we build dynasty rosters and, uh, you know, ship unit, ship players off uh, before we really should, because we're scared of being left, you know, waiting too long with these guys. Right. Um, and I think that uh, with, especially with this 2017 class, uh, we're, we're about to get in trouble because of that. And even like Derrick Henry, like I know we're waiting for him to fall apart. And maybe this is the year, but it probably But isn't. we said that last year probably, too. Yeah, it probably isn't. Like that, yeah. that, that's like the great ones, the great ones just produce year over year, um, every year. And especially a wide receiver, like that's super true. Uh, several people have found that to be true, but like we just really don't need to, to panic with the running backs in the way that we do is the long and short of it. Yeah, and it looks like from this uh, this graph here with with wide receivers, you kind of also see kind of that peak um, hit around that year six, but it has a much longer 
uh, it doesn't drop for a real long time is what I'm trying to say here. It's like you got like yeah. through year 11 before it really uh, starts to go down. So you can really see the value, the long, the long-term value of wide receiver, which we were talking about in our last episode as well. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I'm not saying that I always, again, I, I would much rather have the young elite receiver because of the implied future value being so much higher. And like the, you know, like the median projected career outcome in years, which is what I work with all the time with Mojo trying to map out future entire careers. <laughs> like it's just so much higher across the board. Like the average career for like all the running backs implied, like on our platform, is just not very long, you know, like the, the middle version we're talking about, like, you know, three years or less is like the mean projection for like the average player. <laughs> um, and if you're good enough to be on the platform, like you're a good starter probably. And so, right. uh, but wide receivers, it's like a full year plus difference implied. Uh, and there's a reason because, you know, they just stick around longer and there's, I'm not, you know, you're not learning anything here when it, with me saying that, but the stability I get going for them because the stability from really, really years five through 10, instead of uh, really five through almost 11, um, it, if they're actually there in year seven and 11 is just really super stable. Um, if they're good enough to be in the league that long. So I know, you know, we can find examples that would defy this, but I'm talking about, um, you know, taking a look at overall populations that make it to this point in their career. And so right. you're always going to find exceptions to the rule, but overall, uh, if I'm trying to make a, an objective statistically based decision for my rosters for fantasy football or just trying to you know convince myself that my favorite wide receiver is going to be good for three three more years like i'm trying to make a database decision um but yeah it's it's funny because like we think that year two is like the year three is the breakout sometimes it's not year four sometimes it's it's not until year five for some of these guys there's there's um you know rare instances when it's uh when it's even later than that but uh yeah, it's just there's so much more stability at wide receiver. So I, I get that. I'm just saying overall, we devalue the position at running back way too much. Yeah, no, that's I think that's really important to know, too. That's that's awesome. Do you want to take a break? And then when we hit back, start uh, looking at some player specifics when it comes to the, the Hall of Fame. Yeah, let's do it. Awesome. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. All right, welcome back. We are going to jump into some Hall of Fame discussion. Uh, excited to get into it. I have a trivia question for you. How many players have been in the NFL for more as a player for more than two decades? Since oh my gosh, since I don't, I, I, I just, I don't, I'm just looking at your sheet here. I think it's just Tom Brady, right? Like he's like the only one who's been in for 20 plus years, isn't he? Well, it's since, maybe since like 2000, because like, then you I think you had like uh, maybe a couple of punters back in the day. Oh, he's in football players. And, yeah. <laughs> real football, real football yeah. players, not not kickers. Not oh, Elder yeah. Greco. Um, yeah, yeah. No, let, oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's jump Missouri. into the quarterback position. I think that's always really interesting. Um, kind of curious what your thoughts are. I, obviously, Tom Brady no longer in the league, but he is a, a, a shoe in. Um, who are some of the names that we should be looking at? Uh, maybe people who just ended their careers, like a guy like Matt Ryan comes to mind, who just was around for you know fifteen years that he was a starter and put up some some pretty big numbers, but. Is, it, is he a Hall of Fame player? I don't, he doesn't feel like he should be, um, but maybe you can tell me otherwise. So let's just look at this quarterback position and you can kind of uh, take take me through like what you're looking for and uh, maybe some career arcs that we can uh, maybe see whether or not they're going to get close or not. Yeah. And and the reason why we, by the way, if you're new to the podcast, like this, this whole show, like this was the idea. It's like from college to Canton, like for Canton, Ohio, the Hall of Fame. Like we, we wanted this show put in place because we wanted to just talk about, um, you know, the best players and what makes the, the best players. And so it, once a year, we basically have this conversation of like who's close to being in the Hall of Fame, who who might be soon, and, and how does that actually affect us uh, for fantasy football and if it does. So, uh, yeah, with, with Matt Ryan, though, that that's a name that's always going to be polarizing because when people think Matt Ryan – um, especially if you've only been paying attention to football for like the last, I don't know, seven, eight years, 28 uh, to 20, three, 28 to three. Yeah. And like, that's what he's known for. And then like recently he had the, you know, a couple other ball apart moments. And, um, you know, we, we like to look at these players as like, you know, there's a culmination of like the biggest moments, but really like it's, it's, there's, I hate to break it to you, but he, or the people who think that, you know, these, those moments make him, ineligible for the hall of fame like he had a ridiculous career like to, to be in the league to have 234 starts in the nfl um is absurd and i know that just the longevity doesn't do it alone but to be good enough mm-hmm. for that many years to have 234 starts and you know to have you know sixty two thousand something passing yards he's gonna have He's going to finish his career. Um, you know, I know he's not officially retired right now, uh, but he he's all but retired. He's going to finish be finished like what top ten and in, in most reasonable, um, reasonably meaningful volume stats um, and even some efficiency stats. He's going to be way up there in terms of like his passer rating, uh, his touchdown percentage marks. Uh, so and he's got an MVP on his on his resume. Like there's several reasons, just objectively speaking why Matt Ryan should be in the conversation to make the hall of fame. Um, and a lot of people who put together like calculators uh, or like uh, the, one of my favorites is uh, the sports references or pro football, football uh, pro football references uh, like uh, hall of fame monitor tool actually kind of gives a, a score to, to players um, and says, Hey, based on historic, like average hall of fame numbers, like this is what a hall of fame career would look like. 
And like the average Hall of Fame quarterback uh, actually has just under 40,000 passing yards. And Matt Ryan has 63, almost that, <laughs> almost 63,000. Average Hall of Fame quarterback has 268 passing touchdowns. He has almost 400 passing touchdowns. And I know it's it's an easier passer happy era, but he crushes everything across the board from a volume standpoint. And then he has a bunch of Pro Bowls. He has 15 years starting. He has an All-Pro. He's got an MVP. He's got a bunch of things going for him. He's more than just a few collective moments that we joke about him for. Yeah, and I think it's good to put those statistics in kind of reference to like using him as an example. And the reason I brought him up first is because he's like right under that line of that Hall of Fame average. And so it's interesting to use him as an as a case study. Um, but I do wonder, do you think uh, from your own, like we were talking about running backs as well earlier, right before we hit record. Yeah. Um, so, so quarterback numbers are going way, way, way up. Uh, running back numbers yeah. will probably be going way, way, way down. Do you think going forward, we should expect to see different thresholds um, in place for both those players? Or do you think just like going forward, we probably won't see that many hall of fame running backs um, hitting those same numbers and wider. I mean, quarterbacks who are putting up way bigger numbers than some of these other guys just might not make it in. What do you think? Yeah, I think uh, we've seen the hall of fame kind of adjust for eras um, over time in terms of like, what the expectations are for players to get in. But most of the time, the, the bar's just been moving higher. Like it's been higher and higher and higher because we, you know, it used to be that there was only 14 games and then there were 16. Now there's 17. We're probably going to yeah. get to 18. And so like all these volume-based stats and like the, all these offensively friendly stats have made it to where the Hall of Fame has kind of been trending in a direction of um, really just everything's greater. But with the running backs, I think it's going to go in the opposite direction. I think we're going to see uh, – the bar just moved down uh, in every aspect because we're just not seeing running backs that stick around uh, long enough or have enough rushing yards to really meet the requisite marks. And, and especially with rushing, but you know, with receiving it's, it's going up, but overall yards from scrimmage, even it's just not there. Um, you know, you're, you're not seeing as many, you know, Frank Gore's uh, at all. Uh, we may never see another Frank Gore type of uh, longevity um, career at the position, but before we move to running back, to, to, yeah, to yeah. Uh, the, the really the, the the mark has been kind of moving up over time. Like you can kind of see it. If you look at like the passing yards leaders, like the line used to be like uh, Johnny Unitas. Like you like if you wanted to be like a shoe in for Hall of Fame, you needed to get at least to like he's like right at 40,000 uh, for his career. Um, and like Jim Kelly get in with with 35,000 plus. It was because of he I get a really crazy four year window. Uh, the few exceptions that got in after him that had less than 40,000 yards, but it used to be that was around the line. Those are those people who kind of study what, what makes a hall of fame player at certain positions. Like you needed to get to at least to like 40 K uh, and then kind of moved up and uh, it needed to be Fran Tarkenton. Like it needed to be at like the 47,000 mark or around there to get in the conversation, you know, players that went in after him, like Warren moon, like John Elway, like Dan Marino, like th- those were obvious players, a few exceptions like Dan Fouts got in after after him that we were lower, but like the, the bar had moved. Um, uh, and so like Carson Palmer is it was an interesting case for a long time because he was actually where he finished his career. He was like right at the Fran Tarkenton line. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and so I, I joked that like it, it's now the Carson Palmer line. But it, what's interesting, I think what we're going to see in the in the coming decades is that Matt Ryan might be the new line. You know, like he's he might be the guy that, that gets in barely. Uh, but has like all the, the 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 threshold stats at touchdowns and passing yards where 
for the most part, when, when the, the Hall of Fame committee is meeting, like, well, he didn't even have as many X as Matt Ryan, or he didn't have right. any stats or stats or all pros or pro bowls or whatever it is. Um, the, the line's kind of going to be moving again. Uh, it might settle around that that Matt Ryan line <laughs> at like 60,000 passing yards, 400 passing touchdowns-ish, uh, you know, QBR. You know, they, they might use him as like the new line. Um, but it's funny because like there are so many players that are around that mark that are actually still active today. Like Aaron Rodgers is just a hair behind uh, Matt Ryan in a lot of categories because, you know, he had this slower start to his career being behind Brett Favre. Matt, Matt Stafford – Unless something crazy happens, Matt Stafford is going to pass Matt Ryan. Uh, Andy's got the Super Bowl now, so he's probably going to get in. I know a lot of people don't necessarily think Matt Stafford Hall of Famer, but that's going to be a shoe in Like if he plays for two or three more years, like it's just happening. Um, of course, a lot of people don't think he's playing this year and that he's just done. So, but yeah, I'm with you. I don't think that's happening. I think no, we can probably no. count on a couple more years here, which is kind of one of the points of this exercise. Yeah, and so I think we just we often just throw these guys aside uh, when really the the meeting you know outcome for Matthew Stafford is that it's more than two seasons that he still plays like full, like that's probably what what is going to happen. Like he's not like just dead. Like he's thirty five, but um, that's not what it used to mean like fifteen twenty years ago. Uh, and yes, he's had some health issues early in his career here recently, but we just we take the the latest bit of information and think oh that informs the next three years obviously. And just it just doesn't, you know. And so I, I think we get oh, way overconfident with uh, uh, predicting the the demise of these players because we think that they're just uh, they're done. Uh, but right, truthfully, right. truthfully, like Stafford's probably gonna uh, pass both Matt Ryan, Phil Rivers, and probably Ben Roethlisberger in most every stat um, yeah, if he's just so around, crazy. if he's just functional for three years, you know. So um yeah he and rogers like they're right on the fringe uh with a lot of key stats that the hall of fame would actually care about that would go in the plaque um and they're probably both gonna get they're gonna get in and i know uh, we like to joke on russell wilson uh you know based on this one bad year uh, i mean i mean you could say he had one year that was not great before this but like frankly he's been amazing uh, with the exception outside of, of injury yeah. yeah and last year yeah yeah so like i know you love russell wilson i mean you're love you're, you're yeah. team west coast right so like I, what are you expecting out of russell wilson because i i know that i'm more bullish than i think the community is uh but he's not old either like where are you with him in terms of predicting like how, how many seasons do you think he has left Oh, I think, I mean, he's tied to the team for at least two more seasons, two more full seasons. And I think if either one of those are good, um, he'll stick around. I Maybe not with the Broncos, uh, maybe not um, at this huge contract, but I see him sticking around for four more years, five more years. Um, Injuries aside, you know, I I think with Sean Payton, he does bounce back a bit this year. I think uh, there was a lot of problems with the offensive line they had a lot of injuries uh across the skill position players as well i think this will be a bounce back year for him i don't think he's going to i i think he's always gonna have a zero by that mvp um <laughs> number there for him i don't think that's ever gonna happen but uh i think he, he he takes not this year but in the future i think he's back in the playoffs in, in the next two years yeah and and really he's got so many um I mean, he's got so many Pro Bowls, and that means less than it used to. But he's, he, when it comes to like what goes on the plaque, what 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 goes in the conversation, like the objective numbers you can throw up there, he's he's got nine Pro Bowls, and he's yeah, that's crazy. For, yeah, I mean that's that's crazy. There's there's not very many players in NFL history uh, that have had that many, and the average 
uh, Hall of Fame quarterback actually has seven. Um, and, you know, he doesn't have the all pro stuff, but he's got a Super Bowl, Super Bowl that kind of levels that out. And then he's, if he's around for two or three more years, he's going to have a lot of the volume stats. So it's just like, man, um, I, I don't want to make it the Hall of very good, but I think we just sell short what he was doing in his prime. And yes, he's probably past his prime, uh, but he has actually been in the league for 10, 11, 11 seasons now. And what, what did I talk, what we talk about at the beginning of the show? We talked about that experiential boost where yep. you see quarterbacks find a way to maintain or even exceed um, when you wouldn't think they should the expected efficiency and volume for their age if they're just existing in the league somewhere at this point. If they're starting in the league at this point in their career, it's because uh, they deserve it. And it's because um, they have all the experience in the world to keep continuing uh, producing. So I'm not saying he's going to be an elite MVP that changes your fantasy football season. And he's going to be a top five quarterback this year. But I am saying that uh, we should not be discounting him completely. And we should not just think, oh, well, you know, his last year with the Seahawks was imperfect. Um, and, you know, this last year wasn't great. So he must be done. Uh, yeah. Just not historically accurate when it comes to any large scale quarterback analysis. Yeah. And I think, too, like we were talking uh, last show about like, roster construction and stuff like that. And if you do end up with a Russell Wilson or a Matthew Stafford as your QB two, um, you might have two or three years before you need to replace them. It, it may not be as urgent as you, as, as it might feel. Yeah. And so you can go in on a, on a, on a rookie or in a Debbie, you can uh, focus there, but uh, you might have a little bit more runway than you think. Yeah. But I mean, and I don't want to go down the list of all the you know current starting quarterbacks and make an argument that they should be in the hall of fame. Cause I think, there are a lot of guys who are going to be in pretty good shape volume wise, like Kirk cousins. Uh, you know, he's, he's working up the the list right now. Like this year he's going to pass. It's funny. Uh, he has like 37,000 passing yards. He's he's, if he just plays this year, he's going to pass like Joe Montana. Like that's, <laughs> I mean, that's crazy. Uh, it's just, it's funny because uh, like he, and even like Derek Carr is probably going to pass hall of famers like in the next year or two. Um, <laughs> and so it's, it's the, the all-time stats leader leaderboards are going to look funny with a, a few names that you're like, wait, how did that happen? What, right. what are we doing? Um, yeah. So I'm not saying, Kirk, you know, Kirk Cousins needs to be in that conversation at all. I'm just, it's just funny when you look at the all-time stats um, leaderboards, it's going to, it's going to look really, really odd in, in the next coming years when guys like that are, who are really good starters, but they're not uh, hall of fame, elite, elite, elite level guys that are uh, making their way up the leaderboards. But, that's uh, would you say anybody else is even the mix in terms of like active guys? I know Patrick Mahomes is a shoe in, uh, long to like uh, some would say he's already a shoe in, and we can. Uh, and by the way, I don't want to dismiss a bunch of the younger guys, we're just talking about guys who are kind of close already, right. Like, right. who uh, kind of have resumes that, like, if they you know do just a couple more things here and there, they'll probably round out uh, the resume enough to kind of get in the conversation historically. And uh, a lot of what I'm looking at uh, is based off of several different uh, resources that compare Hall of Fame careers. So I'm not just like throwing these, these names out as like an opinion. Like it's just like they're going to be <laughs> objectives are going to be threshold. Yeah. They're right there. Um, but it's funny because Mahomes would probably be like his resume is already better than Wilson. It's it's better than Stafford. Like he has multiple Super Bowls. He's got multiple All Pros. He's got already has five Pro Bowls in five years as a starter. Like it's so crazy. I mean, it's, he's, he's on goat trajectory. Um, yeah, but is there, is there yep. anybody else that's like, I, in my opinion, he's already a hall of famer today. Uh, he's just been that ridiculous, but, um, is there I anybody mean, else that would be in the conversation for you? I mean, some of those guys like 
uh, like who just have signed or about to sign those big new deals, like guys like Lamar Jackson, Jackson, Josh Allen. It'll be really interesting to see where their careers take them. I'm curious to see um, with some of these quarterbacks, like say Justin Fields continues to do what he did in his rookie year where their rushing numbers are crazy, but the passing numbers maybe aren't what we used to see. What kind Mm -hmm. of, um, yeah, what kind of adjustments will be made for those guys too? Like it's more of a wait and see approach because I do think uh, with like what you said with the RPOs becoming more of the offense and stuff like that, I think it'll be interesting uh, as quarterbacks begin to run more and more uh, how that changes the discussion. Although I think we do see with, the longer these guys go in their career, they tend to run a little bit less. But um, be be curious to see how that uh, affects the conversation. Yeah, for sure. And how much like the rushing production as it just becomes, and it is it is widespread. It's just acceptable, and it's just assumed that you're going to be running if you are a quarterback. But um, how much the career rushing yards come into play as just like hey, like you know Cam Newton had 5,600 rushing yards in his career, like 75 touchdowns. How many running backs did that? <laughs> yeah, you know yeah like that's crazy yeah i mean he, he's got more rushing touchdowns i think than like zeke or uh you know it's is like right up there like he's right there next to like derrick henry's career rushing yeah. uh touchdowns you know and so how many did you say he had he had 75 rushing touchdowns as a quarterback so frank it's like gore, a, frank gore in 14 years had 81 <laughs> so yeah so it's like oh man crazy um, Crazy. That, that 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 begins to change the conversation. I'm and I'm not saying we are even even going to see that many Cam Newtons or Lamar Jacksons ever again. But like how how do you value a career? Um, yeah, like like that. And how many uh, how many more are we going to see because of how the game's changing? Even um, right. Yeah. But yeah, it's interesting. But yeah, but yeah, we, we we can talk about other positions. Just quarterback is like the one it's so crazy. Yeah, so hotly debates when it comes to the Hall of Fame because it's like the position for the team. Oh, and running backs tough because of what we said earlier, where we're just seeing so much less usage. I think like the two guys that you've kind of hit on already are probably the two most interesting in Derrick Henry and Ezekiel Elliott, as far as like current players. And of course, you know, is Ezekiel Elliott a current player? We don't know, (laughs) but um, it is, it is pretty interesting to see uh, just how far down you have to scroll on this list of like uh, your hall of fame list here before you find some active players on here. Yeah, so and we can get into so like what I, I actually quite often use uh, Pro Football um, uh, references uh, Hall of Fame Monitor. That's probably one of the uh, one of the best. They don't do a good job of adding in like yards from scrimmage, but comparing careers, it's really fun. Just look at historical numbers. Um, and so like the average Hall of Fame running back has like eleven thousand rushing yards. Like, do you, I mean, do you know how like the the current active leader in rushing yards for for running backs? Uh, I'm guessing it's like 8,000. Yeah, it's, it's 8,300 at Derrick Henry. So he's yeah. like, and ridiculous as, as he has been at age like 29 or whatever he is, he's still like, I wouldn't have guessed 3,000 yards off of just being an average Hall of Famer. I, and the reason I said that number is because you mentioned that two seven, 2017 class having had like six full years or seven full years now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so just thinking, okay, about a little over a thousand yards a year. Um, okay. Let's go with that. <laughs> but, um, yeah. yeah, that's crazy though, because, um, you would assume Derrick Henry's a shoe in, right? Like if yeah. he has and, a couple more years just with what he's done. Yeah. And I got in trouble. Like it was, it was funny, like local media. It's, it's weird. I'm, I'm, I'm situated in the spot cause I used to cover the team in some aspects. So I've got a, a ridiculous number of Titans fans that follow me. So anytime I say anything slightly not positive about the Titans, they go off. 
on, on, on and uh, like, do and you so want to I, talk about Will Levis for a little while? Oh my gosh! Oh yeah, I can't even. I can't Malik tweet about No, I can't. <laughs> no, I cannot. I cannot do it. But Hall I, of Fame yeah, I got, trajectory. Because uh, I, I dare even hint that Derrick Henry doesn't have like an, an historical uh, Hall of Fame resume, um, which is just objectively true. Uh, like uh, you know, I actually got my my tweet got just ran with and all the local media and stuff. It was it was quite hilarious. Um, my mentions were on the fire for like quite it. some time. Uh, yeah, but I, I mean, I, I get it. He's got the 2000 yard seasons, um, in, in terms of like rushing yards, he had 2000 yards in the season. Like last year he had almost 2000 yards and it was, uh, not, not a great year for the team, but, um, he's got a bunch of ridiculous marks for single season stuff too. So he's one of those players that probably gets in even without hitting the historical volume thresholds, but there, there are few and far between, uh, a few players for, that, that would actually get up into that. Uh, even Derrick Henry's threshold of production, like he has less than 10,000 yards from scrimmage. And, you know, the average Hall of Famer has like 12,000 plus, you know, so it's just not, uh, we may never see another running back, you know, basically just complete what used to be an average Hall of Fame career production wise. And so I think we're just going to, that's the one position where uh, the Hall of Fame is just going to have to adjust because, you know, guys like LaShawn McCoy, who he has 15,000 yards exactly for his career from yards from scrimmage. Um, and we don't necessarily, well, I, I consider him a hall of famer. A lot of people don't consider him a hall of famer, but when we look back historically, we're going to go, wait, um, he's had more yards from scrimmage than any running back in the last two decades. So How is he not in? Uh, and that, yeah. you know, so there's going to be a few of those guys like work Dunn's probably going to be uh, one of those guys that gets in. Like there's just going to be guys that uh, get in because like we're never seeing that ever again. Uh, and and the the new threshold is probably going to be down, you know, two thousand total yards from scrimmage, probably at least two thousand plus rushing yards uh, for what gets a player in, because uh, we're just not going to see players uh, rush as much per game. Um, and yeah, it's just it. Yeah, we don't have to get into it too much, but well, uh, guys like you know Alvin I mean, Kamara. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was like, like just historically, like a guy like Terrell Davis, who we all think of as like one of the all-time greats. He had less mm-hmm. than eight thousand total rushing yeah. yards. You know. And so there will be exceptions yeah. like that, that that get in just because. But just to say how able. how hard it is to hit that number, like it's, yeah. it's very few and far between, like you said. Yeah. But this twenty seventeen class is going to be interesting, just because they could defy, um, they they could kind of set the bar for what the new Hall of Fame level is, because like a like a Christian McCaffrey, like his rushing yards. Like he has less than 5,000. And so there's almost no way he's going to hit like, you know, Hall of Fame requisite rushing uh, levels. But he, what he brings in the passing game, yeah, for yards from scrimmage, he might get close to what we used to get him in. But um, the, the, I think he may be the player that kind of sets the new bar. Like we get, got into the quarterback discussion with Matt Ryan being the level. Like it, uh, Christian McCaffrey might become the new level, or Alvin, Alvin Kamara may be the new level. I know a lot of people question his. Uh, ability to get it, get in because of, you know, his lack of uh, just pure rushing upside. But I, I would kind of, you know, be against that. I would say like his, his balance to the game offers something unique that, you know, th- there's, there's value there, but are there any other players outside of like, uh, I mean, we could talk about Saquon Barkley, but he's another one of those players that just, he's flashed incredibly. Um, but like the, the, the volume is, is, is not there still. Uh, or Nick Chubb because of he's, he's just a pure amazing elite runner, but as much as he's been an elite runner, 
and he's been around since 2018. He's still only at 6,300. So right. uh, what, what do you, like, are any of these guys, what you would consider uh hall of fame worthy, like out of players right now, beyond just Derrick Henry? No. And I think it speaks to, I mean, not yet. I'll say that. I think it speaks to kind of what we talked about earlier, where um, af- outside of that, that 2017 class, there's kind of been a bit of a dip in like the talent level and the running back um, classes. And so I think, yeah, maybe if uh, Dalvin cook or Ezekiel Elliott, I don't think so much with Zeke, but maybe if Dalvin cook or one of these guys, Leonard Fournette gets signed it and get the opportunity to get like first, like first shot, like lead back type work. Yeah, maybe, but I just don't see it. I, I really think it's going to be uh, pretty tough for any of the like current active guys uh, based on just like looking at these numbers and where people are at. But um yeah, so for me, outside of some of the guys you mentioned, I, I don't really see it. Yeah, I, I will say uh, Zeke might become that player that's like the new minimum threshold because he has t- like 10,000, like 600 yards from scrimmage, uh, which is more than Derrick Henry, actually, and they were in the same class. Uh, it's more than any other player actually uh, in, in the league since he joined the NFL. Like, no does one Zeke has more. Does feel like a halt? Like, does that feel right? Does Do you think he's... Sh- should be in the hall of fame I think two years ago everyone would have said yes yeah but because of how the last two years have gone people think it's no but yeah. just because of how running back careers go like we like our last thoughts of them are not fond but i think sure. when people look back on his overall career and that's in totality in terms of like how he came into the league and how dominant he and dominant he was maybe the best back in the league for three years or so there um I think people will realize, oh, okay. Yeah, he 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 was setting just ridiculous marks for two or three years in a row, was the most dominant, if not top five dominant for a while, um, and hits a lot of marks in terms of like he, he has an all-pro, he's got some Pro Bowls, he's, he had seven solid seasons of production. Um, in term, and, and really seven solid seasons of, of production historically is the minimum for, for running backs, like uh, it, with the exception of uh, Terrell Davis, who had like five, I believe. Yeah. But uh, like Sayers, I, was, I believe it was like seven. But for the most part, the, the minimum threshold is like seven solid years as a, as a an elite level producer or top tier starter. Uh, there's only one exception in the, the entire hall. Uh, so I think Zeke is kind of like right there and may create the new kind of floor expectation for what a Hall of Fame career arc looks like. Because uh, he was the most dominant player and still to this day, again, I'll repeat, slowly has the most yards from scrimmage of any player in the league since 2016 still. So, um, yeah, he's been ridiculous. Yeah, that's crazy. That is crazy. Uh, you want to hit wide receiver? I know we're at yeah, an man. hour here. Do you have some time or do you want to? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, let's keep yeah. going. Yeah, that's 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 another thing because we could argue a lot of guys uh, because of like how the league has got, just gone bonkers. But like I don't, I know my opinion. Like who would you say are the obvious names – uh, that should should go in, or at least are on pace to go in anytime soon. I mean, I think DeAndre Ho- DeAndre Hopkins would be one for me because I, I assume he's going to sign pretty soon here, get work, and continue to add um, to his really impressive career. I think uh, I don't know. People might not like this. I think Mike Evans just for his consistency, uh, putting up over ten thousand yards, um, just having season after season of a thousand yard work. I think is super impressive. Uh, those are some of the guys for me that 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 really uh, stand up, stand out. Sorry, I guess also like you know 
uh, Tyreek Hill, I think. Would, I think one of the cool things about Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill is that they, uh, you know, no longer play with each other, but they were still able to put up really phenomenal seasons um, in new and with a new surrounding. Well, Patrick Mahomes, just different receiver core, but uh, Tyreek Hill, you know, like moving to Miami, which we all thought, I think, was a major downgrade, and he was still just able to produce. So um, he would also be someone that I think is on uh, the right like on the hall of fame path. Yeah. It's, it's funny when we get into wide receiver uh, debates, cause like there are so many guys who've been uh, productive in fits of like, you know, one crazy 1500 yard season or like even like back in, back in, when I say back in the day, like T Y Hilton had that one crazy 1500 yard right. season, but he's not like a, a hall of famer. Like he's pretty far up the list. Like in terms of like active guys, uh, like it's Julio Jones and then like a, a, a 20 mile gap in terms of actual production. Uh, are we considering Julio active? I, I think <laughs> I dropped him for one of my teams just like a yeah. couple months ago. I was like, Oh, I still have him. How cute. Uh, yeah. I, it's, I'm not sure he's going to play again, but yeah, he, his numbers are absolutely absurd. And I, yeah. I know it's uh, a, a recency bias is, is a heck of a drug, but, but he was probably the best wide receiver in the league for, I don't know, eight years in a row, nine years in a row, like at least in the conversation. Like, like, like how big of it? Because like, he, he's at 13,000. I know we joke about his touchdowns, but 13,600 yeah. yards right now, guys. Like, <laughs> like 900 plus receptions. Like, Do people but, debate whether or not Julio should no, be? I, I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay. But it's just like the, some of the things I, I see people say about yeah. him in the last couple of years, it's just – yeah, people, we quickly forget how dominant some of these players were. But he's the only shoe in that, that that's like, there's no debate. He's he's going in. Like when you look at, at his and compare his career, it's like he's right up next to like Torrey Holt, um, who's like, obviously he's going to be there. Uh, Reggie Wayne, uh, like Chris Carter, he's like right next to Chris Carter in a bunch of categories. Um, like there's just uh, Andre Johnson. He's he's eventually going to be in there. Um, but like his, like if you put his career up to like uh, Michael Irvin, like no competition. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like I'm just looking at that. So, it's it's crazy that uh, Julio Jones only had two fewer touchdowns than Michael Irvin, you know. Yeah. And yeah. similar amount of you know, uh, similar amount of games played. Uh, Michael Irvin played in four more games and only had two more touchdowns. So that's weird. Yeah, man. Uh, so yeah, th- that's just another obvious. Uh, and he's the only obvious one, but I think. Tyreek Hill, it actually would be my second bet to be the safest projection. To what about Antonio league. Brown? Or do we not? We don't talk about Antonio Brown. <laughs> we don't, I don't really want to wait. I don't I mean, know like what he, they're going to do. But had he not, you know, had had things gone differently for the last couple of years of his career, like he would have walked in. Yeah, but um, it's just it's it's hard to because like think about how long To was out mm-hmm. just because he was had an attitude or whatever. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know. We'll we'll see with that, but. Tyreek Hill, like, and he had his own uh, off-field stuff that we could we could probably just not talk about right now. But uh, seriously, what he's done in just basically six years of starting the majority of his games, uh, he's got 8,300 8, receiving yards. Like, and so if he's just around, kind of like doing something for the next two or three years, he's going to be right there in terms of like average Hall of Fame resumes and virtually every statistic. Like, except he's going to crush the average in terms of all pro because he already has get this four all pro selections. Incredible, so, yeah, yeah. So I think I think that's something. Um, 
that uh, people forget he does. He's, he already has four All Pro selections. Like that's just that's not normal. Like there's only been there's only been uh, ten wide receivers, by the way, uh, in mo- modern NFL history who have four All Pro selections or better. The other ones like Jerry Rice, Ter- Terrell Owens, Randy Moss, Antonio Brown. Um, yeah, so it's just it's 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 not very many guys. So Cordero Patterson. But that is special teams. That's a special, special teams. teams. But, but yeah, still, yeah. it counts. And now he's also a running back, so he's going to get in on on all three. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. But uh, so yeah, he's the only one that's obvious. And the, the other couple names that people want to throw in there for sure that are in the mix, like DeAndre Hopkins, because he already has in terms of like raw volume. He's eleven thousand three hundred. He's got like seventy plus touchdowns. Uh, and if he's just kind of around for another year or two, like he's going to be right around. I think so. Yeah, I he's think probably he in there. Yeah. Um, it's really sad that like AJ Green was on, on, on his way as well, but, um, he, he kind of capped out at, at 10,500, uh, just cause of, you know, health. And he had that, that six year run that was just unbelievably dominant. Uh, but he's kind of like right there in that Roddy white category of man, he was, he was elite for like half a decade. Like, you know, maybe the best at, at, at his peak, like maybe the guy, you know, the guy, but, um, not necessarily there in terms of a, a bunch of raw categories. And so he's probably going to be on the outs. Um, but that 2014 class though, uh, is, is going to be fun because it has Devontae Adams. It has Mike Evans. It has, uh, well, Odell is probably not getting in at this point, but he was certainly on track for a long time. It, it, and it has, uh, you know, Brandon cooks and it's gonna be interesting. Cooks isn't going to get in either, but, uh, just that that is going to go down that has to go down as the best wide receiver class of all time right? oh yeah even guys like jarvis landry i think were in that class um yeah adam thielen <laughs> oh, that's maybe awesome. not thielen because thielen was uh undrafted i i don't remember all that. no one's here to hear me talk about adam thielen um <laughs> <laughs> who do you do you, who are some of the young guys that you you kind of are are watching that you think could make it or younger guys like um that you think i mean not like Justin Jefferson, like not that young, maybe, but some of these, or are there none? Like, what about a guy like, uh, like Cooper Cup, or you know, he's been like, yeah, so that's good one. I, that's what I think. Like the, the 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 flash in the pans of absolute just absurd greatness for a window, like a, like a, a narrow window, because he's actually already old. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, like, yeah. He's like what, um, almost thirty or thirty years. Yeah, well, I, I say that. Yeah, it's like I'm five years older than him. Whatever. Yeah, but, <laughs> but he like he's just uh, you know he's he's only been like a starter for like what five years I guess. Yeah, and so um, it's tough because like he's not going to even sniff the volume. Like he's not going to get there. But um, if he just gets up to something respectable, like nine thousand, like do you let him yeah. in because of how absurd he was? Uh, I think it just depends on how the rest of his career goes. Right, uh, right. I think we're going to have this gap though. Uh, like from 20 like after 2014, there's, there's not very many uh, shoe ends until like you get to the 2020 class, but Stefan Diggs is, is uh, he's in the mix because um, you know, he's, he's had an absurd um, after like a, you know, less than perfect start necessarily. And, you know, probably just due to his capital, he's just absolutely just been nonstop dominant. Um, but he's, he's also going to miss like the, the prototypical, uh, historic thresholds, unless he's in the league for probably, you know, four more years, five more years. So I don't know. Like, there's a bunch of guys that are kind of on pace, but um, not necessarily among the the super young crew because we got 
unless you get down to like Justin Je- like Justin Jefferson's, and then that's yeah. really really projecting that's way far. So out. far away, so much yeah. can happen. But, yeah. But even like the, the like the Amari Coopers, like that's probably not you know like he he we thought he was early on in his career, and that's probably no. <laughs> so that's, that's where we could we could throw a bunch of names in the hat that like at one point were certainly on pace, like Keenan Allen, uh, Michael Thomas, both were like they were on pace, and like if they're around for you know so and so seasons healthy, maybe, but probably not just at this point based on how things have gone here recently, and and you know where they probably live in their career arc. Um, yeah. So, but you know, I, I just remember like 2015, 2016, we're like, oh, we could see six Hall of Famers from this class. And it's like, that was never going to happen though. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, People but Devontae off. Adams, Devontae Adams has to be up there because his touchdowns, like he already has 87 receiving touchdowns, yeah. which that alone uh, is just an absurd mark. Like that's, that's like yeah. what um, I think was it top 15 all time. I'm pretty sure already. Uh, so that's, he's probably going to get in just because of receiving touchdowns. <laughs> yeah. And you'll probably but, eclipse a hundred, like two oh, more yeah. years, you know? Yeah. But, and, but I think he, I mean, honestly, he is going to keep producing for a while. And I think people, Mike Evans is not in the trash. I mean, he's got what thousand yards basically every single year, every of his year. career, <laughs> yeah. every single year of his career. He's not going to have the all pros, but he's going to have all the volume very, very soon. Like if he's around for two, maybe three more years and just kind of hanging out. Um, he's going to be up there right next to a bunch of Hall of Famers. And so it's going to be weird not to put him in. But, I mean, we, I, the, the last thing I wanted to note, because, like, the only tight end that's even in the mix at all is Travis Kelsey. Like, there's no one else close. Like, we could squint and maybe say Zach Ertz, maybe. Um, but I think we get a lot of pushback there. Like, yeah. if healthy George Kittle, probably. Mark Andrews is, like, on pace. Like, if he's around, like, he could be the next – Travis Kelsey, given like how old he is and such, but um, you know Kyle Pitts is definitely not on pace uh, <laughs> as of last year. Um, but uh, it, it, so there's not a whole lot of I want to talk about that with that. But I, the the uh, flattening of the market share curve in terms of like uh, where we see targets go on a per team basis due to the you know outbreak of eleven personnel. And offenses, uh, offensive schemes just distributing targets in a different way than they did in different eras. I do think that's going to flatten out this massive growth in receiving production. Like we, we might not ever see anybody just because the volume's amping up, and just because you know we're, we're probably going to have eighteen games here soon. I, that doesn't mean I think anyone's ever going to get close to Jerry Rice, uh, and I don't think anybody necessarily even gets close to Randy Moss or Terrell, Terrell Owens or even like Larry Fitzgerald numbers ever again because of the market share split being different. Um, and that, I mean, that's been, that's been changing drastically uh, over the years. And even like when teams use 12 personnel because they're incorporating running backs and tight ends in their receiving yard market share numbers, uh, target distribution, because it's just more optimal rather than force feeding one or two guys like they thought was the key in, in the nineties or uh, in early two thousands. Um, like we just might not see that the same, even not not to the same extreme as running backs. We might see that uh, something similar in terms of the, there being a ceiling at the receiving production, just because of how the, the distribution has changed. Which is which I think is that has to factor into the Hall of Fame consideration as well. Oh yeah, it it, it certainly should. <laughs> That's absolutely true. I was just looking at these tight end numbers. Uh, Jimmy Graham was like one of those guys who was so dominant for a short stretch of time. There um, ended up with eighty five touchdowns. Do you think Jimmy Graham is a guy who has any shot? at um the hall of fame i mean his numbers are you know quite a bit less as far as like i mean if you look at the average hall like his career 
arc, excuse me, is awful similar to what you have like as the average Hall of Fame tight end. Do you mm-hmm. think Jimmy Graham gets in? He, uh, he was so fun in fantasy. I remember yeah. when he was like first rounder, like in what was that twenty? Oh man, twenty thirteen or something dumb. Like he was. Uh, I, I remember one year like, I got open like Aaron Rodgers and and Jimmy Graham because I was like really bad at this, and, <laughs> and that went horribly. But uh, man, he was so good at his peak that it's, it's going to be tough. He actually fits a lot of the the thresholds. He has more receiving yards, more touchdowns, uh, a bunch of marks. I think when people realize how uh, productive he was. Um, I know the last few years he was just kind of uh, clunking around, um, but he was so dominant at his peak in a different way than most yeah. every tight end in his, his generation other than like Gronk. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he, he's probably going to be in. Yeah, like, I was just like curious he, about him, yeah. Like he and probably Greg Olson probably both go in. I know a lot of people don't necessarily think of Greg Olson as a tight end or not, as a uh, Hall of Famer. I think he's going to get in as a tight end and a broadcaster because he's just, he's unreal. That's um, so great. Yeah. So um, that's, that's one consideration with him. Like I think he's, he's just a lock because he's going to go in for two reasons, but yeah, Jimmy yeah. Graham, I think is probably, he, he, he becomes like that new line uh, within like the receiving modern era of using tight ends in this way and to this extreme, like from a widespread stand, like uh, point of view. Um, I think he's probably that, that new line of like 8,500 receiving yards probably becomes this era's expectation for like minimum threshold, um, you know, to automatically kind of get in <laughs> yeah. uh, for tight end production for sure. Yeah. No, that's good. Cool. Is there anything else that you have for us? Uh, no, this is fun. We, we just dove, dove into a bunch of guys. Yeah. Um, this is great. Players. Talk it's fun. It's fun talking about it too. Just thinking about how much stuff changes and you know, like the dudes from my childhood that are in the hall of fame, always feel like they're the ones like, and so like talking about adding new people is always weird. You know, as you get older, these guys keep coming in and you're like, well, I bet they got all days, which were, I mean, football's way more fun now than it was then. There were no good old days. Um, I, uh, I, I just love looking back and, and seeing them and just comparing these, these players that we get to watch now to some of these historical greats is, is always really fun. Yeah, man. Uh, absolutely. Well, uh, we'll be back with uh, more goodness here soon. Um, here in the very near future, I am going to have uh, another kid come into the world and, and join our family. So uh, we might just randomly have an off week of the show <laughs> in the coming weeks because, uh, uh, you know, being a dad of uh, two kids under two here, uh, yes. it's going to be crazy. But, no, it'll uh, be it'll be good, man. You you guys are you guys are up for it. It's gonna be it's gonna be fantastic. And I'll, I'll have a couple guests on where we can do a couple shows here and there um, while you're while you're out on uh, paternity leave. So it'll be sure. good. Well, great. Well, listeners, you know where to find us uh, here because uh, you're listening right now. But also feel free to find us on Twitter. I'm Travis May at ff underscore Travis M. Stay fun is stay fun Laco. That's stay fun L A K O on Twitter. Uh, feel free to reach out anytime. Ask us some questions about your favorite teams. Tell us where we are wrong about our Hall of Fame uh, considerations. That's fine too. Uh, but until next time, you guys take care and uh, be looking forward to another College to Canton podcast here soon. Mother's Day is almost here and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried and true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. 
And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.